Hey, this is Seth Scruggs, co-host of Rewatch. We're very excited to announce that we are going to be premiering a short film called Five Minutes. It was directed by me, and it was produced and written by Zachary Vaughn. We shot it back in December, and we're getting ready to release it on August 28th at 6 p.m. It will be premiering on YouTube as a live premiere. Uh, you can find all the information on Instagram at MarkSpotsTheX Productions. Following the premiere of the film, we are going to be hosting a live Q&A at 6.15 uh, where we're going to talk about the film and you can come out and ask us questions and we'll be excited to answer them. August 28th at 6pm with a Q&A following at 6.15, the premiere of 5 Minutes, a short film by Seth Scruggs and Zachary Vaughn. Hi, my name is Seth Scruggs and you're listening to Rewatch, a movie podcast about movies we love and movies we haven't seen yet. In a second, I'll be joined by my co-host Zach Vaughn, but before then, make sure you go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss a single episode. We release a new episode every Monday. We hope that you'll join in on the fun and either watch or re-watch along with us. Alright, now let's get to the show. Hey Zach. Hey Seth. Let's let's not associate the movie Parasite with the coronavirus. Let's not. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. But I do think it's important that we should recognize that there's a lot of things that have changed in the world since the last time we talked. There have been. So everyone is staying in their houses. Mm-hmm. So got to work from home today. <laughs> which means so yeah. So Parasite uh we this is probably the last movie we will see in theaters for a while i got an email that said that regal cinemas is officially closed so regal cinemas is not open uh for the foreseeable future which is nuts yeah so so unlike so last week we were together we're not together this week we're together in heart (laughs) we we're doing this over skype but we did see this movie together which so it's the reverse it's the reverse of last week where we were we were together to record but not together for the movie and we realized something as we walked into the theater together that this was in in our 10 years of friendship 10 plus years of friendship this was the first movie we saw in theaters together indeed indeed which is insane it is you would have thought yeah you would have thought that two two guys who enjoy uh filmmaking would have seen a film together but i guess not yeah (laughs) all right so let's go ahead and uh hop into parasite so parasite for the like three people who were living under a rock during the Oscar season is a 2019 film by a guy named Bong Joon-ho who is a four-time Oscar winner uh, for this film uh, which is pretty great it stars uh, a lot of very famous Korean actors but no one really that American audiences knew it is in Korean which I think bumps the accessibility level 
up a little bit. It's a little bit harder to access for people. It's a tough sell for a movie. Would you agree? I uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's a it's a yeah. Korean film about social class, is like the easiest way to sell this movie. Yeah, and it's not a it's not a good sell, it's not a good sell, a great movie, but not a good sell. Essentially, that's the, uh, that's the film. Uh, it was nominated for several Academy Awards. It won four of them. It won for best original screenplay, best director, best picture and best international film so it'd it be, basically it'd swept. be kind of lame if the best picture as a foreign film didn't also win best foreign film oh incredibly incredibly like that uh, yeah and it was a it was a victorious thing did you watch the oscars this year i followed the i followed it on twitter i was not I didn't watch, but I followed it on Twitter. Gotcha. I did. And it was insane to watch that happen. It was insane to see uh, this country, you know, Bong Joon-ho had never won an award. South Korea had never been nominated. No one from South Korea had ever been nominated. So to kind of watch that history happening was absolutely insane. And awesome. So I had seen this film before. I rented it earlier this year. Now, before we get into talking about the film, we do want to acknowledge every film that we have talked about so far on this podcast has been from not only the last decade, but like the last three years. We're aware. Uh, we're going to solve that in the next couple of weeks by kind of going the opposite direction and talking about a lot of older films. But... We're aware. <laughs> um, this film originally wasn't going to happen. It wasn't in our schedule to kind of talk about, but we decided that it was in theaters. I wanted to see it again. I wanted to see it on a big screen because I hadn't seen it yet. So I wanted to see it for the first time on a big screen. So we decided to go see it uh, rather than uh, wait it out. So let's hop into Parasite. So Zach, hit me with your first impressions. First impression was, all right, I don't understand what they're saying. I'm glad there are subtitles. Um, one thing that, um, going through the movie, I, I wish I had a better grasp of was uh, South Korean culture. Um, mm -hmm. Because um, I think it would have been so... I think Americans are missing... 75% of the movie because we're not hearing it in the actual language and we don't have the cultural cultural context. So I think so many jokes just go over all of our heads because either it has something to do with the language used or the fact that we live in a very Western culture and that it is not a Western movie. Um, not even spaghetti Western, but like hemisphere. Um, <laughs> So, like, that's one thing I wished, because um, some of the jokes I was like, oh, yeah, that was cute, but I think I would have appreciated more if I was from the culture and knew the language and didn't have to, wasn't relying on a translation, because nothing actually translates exactly. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely. 
That being said, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, and I just, I just wish I could have laughed more from knowing the language and the culture. Um, there was a, there was a point during the movie that is not something that I would find funny. Uh, we, we, we'll talk about more specifically later on. There's a point in the movie. It is not something I would have found funny at all. And I looked over and you were losing it. Like it was like the funniest thing you'd ever seen. And it was so funny. I was like, how is he? What the heck? I'm not, I'm not sure what. All right. I'm not sure well, what. I'll give my first impressions and then we'll happen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really funny. I thought it was beautifully shot. I loved, um, I loved in certain shots how they would have a static shot set up to where it didn't have to move. Although it doesn't look bad. Like it looks really good the way they do it where instead of what we would probably do, whether because we're a Western society or just what most filmmakers would do, it would be set up lined. I'm specifically thinking of, um, uh, the, the son and his friend, um, their first, when they're getting, Mm -hmm. uh, drinks together. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a locked off shot where he comes out of the, the store on screen left and he walks over and sits down and it, and his friends, the table is the, is center screen. And so he comes from screen left and goes to center screen and it goes down most directors, at least Western directors, um, would start straightforward on the door in either truck to follow or pan to follow. Um, and I just thought it was really cool that they started him off center and then he just, I don't know. It just, I, I liked it. It, it wouldn't work with most people or most shots and it, and it did with, it did with this. Yeah, I think that that has something to do with one of the reasons, one of the things I really, really like about the film and what I think it's trying to do. So we'll, we can talk about that in a minute. First time I saw this movie, I thought it was absolutely insane. <laughs> uh, it has a lot of things that I didn't expect. I knew nothing going in. I don't know what you kind of knew about it going in. I knew nothing. Like, I literally nothing other than this movie is supposed to be really good. That's, that was it. That's, yeah, that's about all I had. So kind of hopping into it with that, with no expectations other than it's going to be good. One best picture. That not every mo- I've seen movies that one best picture that probably shouldn't have. So like, sure, let's just get into it. Uh, but it kind of blew me away. Um, this time, seeing it the second time after seeing it fairly recently it was it was very interesting because i i knew the twists and the things that were coming but it it didn't so it didn't surprise me in that sense but it what it it was still engaging it was still great to see on a, and especially on a big screen it's a beautifully shot movie i mean it's just gorgeous and yeah i think it's great so we'll get into a little bit more detail now uh, just a reminder to everyone who's listening, we are going to spoil this movie for all it's worth. Uh, and this is a movie that has lots of twists and turns. I guess that's hyping it up a little bit more. 
um, if you wanted to go in with it, no expectations, I'm sorry. Uh, but it has a lot of twists and turns. We're going to spoil probably all of them. So if you don't want this movie spoiled for you, uh, go away and come back once you have seen it. Pause it, rent it, and then resume it. In What he said. In a, in a three hour span. I, yeah, I think that's perfect. All right, so let's get into it. Zach, tell me what you liked. I I thought the family was hilarious. <laughs> um, okay, which one? So now that we've kind of given our spoiler warning, I'm going to give a little bit more of an in-depth thing because I know a lot of people haven't seen it, but they'll still listen yeah. to this. So essentially this film is about the Kim family who infiltrates the Park family. They, they infiltrate by be essentially becoming their house staff uh, and taking all of their money and, like, using their space and using their house when they're gone. While using the house while the Park family is gone, the Kim family finds that the former housekeeper is keeping her husband in a bunker underneath the basement and all hell breaks loose. And that's the film. So now we can let's get into it a little bit more. So the Kim family. Um, that's who you were saying. Yes, I thought just how straightforwardly cynical they are <laughs> about everything. Um, it was really refreshing because, like, um, American films, unless it's like, I don't know, like. If it's a drama, people are naturally presented as better than they naturally would be. Um, but in America, like even in American comedies, there's this um, naivete to American mm-hmm. families that, like, even if somebody's, even if somebody's an absolute dirtbag, they still aren't as straightforward with, like, they don't. I know they're they're not honest with themselves about it. And yeah. Well, like in America, like the the poor person is presented as like the person who needs help, mm-hmm. and the person who's rich is the one who's like screwing them over. Yeah. And what's interesting about this film is it kind of takes those rules and flips them a little bit, but also what it does is rather it's like this family has been told. You are poor, so obviously you are good for so long. And, like, obviously the rich people are screwing you over. And they've been told that for so long. that They've just, like, internalized it. Mm-hmm. And they take it for granted. And that's kind of what prompts the rest of the film is, like, they, they meet these rich people and they're, like, they're too rich for their own good. Let's, yeah. let's rob them for all their worth. Yeah, and, like, uh, the, uh, the mom of the Kim family, at one point, they're just, they're getting drunk in the park family's house and she says that uh the the mom of the park family is so nice because she has all this money and she says if i had all this money of course i'd be nice Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is her admitting that she's not currently yeah Yeah. and they they kind of know what they're doing and it's like we have this right right like i feel it's it's this weird like identity of like i feel rich i feel like i should be rich so I'm going to live life in this rich house and act rich. 
I want to talk a little bit about the filmmaking. You mentioned it, because that's one of my favorite things, is, like, noticing it this time. This film, first of all, we talked a lot in Baby Driver and Lady Bird about how they set things up. And being able to watch it the second time, you see all these connections. There aren't, there isn't a lot of that in this film. There's not a lot of foreshadow. And it's because the movie kind of hinges on this big twist that there's this guy living underneath the basement. Mm-hmm. And the movie like sets up this dramatic irony of the Kim family isn't who they say they are. They're infiltrating the parks and you kind of think, you know, where it's going. You think that it's going to be like, they're going to get found out and then they'll go to jail or the parks will, you know, forget, you know, something is going to happen and then it'll end. And then you, this thing happens where you're thinking, okay, we're about to interact three, right? Like everything's about to kind of end. And then it doesn't and it gets worse and worse and it builds and builds and builds and builds. They, they infiltrate the house and you're thinking, okay, they're going to come back. They, they've made this mess in the living room. They're going to come back like that. The family's going to come back and then they're going to have to own up to whatever they've been doing. It'll be dramatic. We'll end. But then the housekeeper shows up again, which undermines the whole family's thing. They find out her husband is in the basement so suddenly there's this new character introduced. Then we find out that uh, he's been there for years stealing food. Then they basically the wife and the husband, the housekeeper and her husband are keeping the family hostage because they now know that they haven't, that they're not who they say they are. Then the family calls the, the Park family calls and says they're coming back home, which is the thing we've expected all along. Then we kill the housekeeper, lock the other guy in the ba- lock the husband in the basement, and then everything kind of returns to normal. We've got three members of the Kim family underneath the coffee table. And you're like, okay, we can breathe, right? We can breathe. Then the uh, Park, the mom... Uh, the husband and wife of the park couple start having sex on the couch and the, the Kim family just sits there listening to it. And then finally they escape. And then as after they escape, their house is flooded. And so it's like, like thing after thing, after thing, after thing. It's crazy, but almost none of that is foreshadowed really. Right. The only, the only foreshadowing it takes place like halfway through the movie and it's foreshadowing even further into the movie, like towards the, almost the very end. Which part are you referring to? Um, the ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. When, but, uh, yeah. But what's interesting about that is that at that point we now know who the ghost is. Right. So we, we, we kind of see where that's going, but it's not, it's not hinted at before. So it's very, very interesting about yeah. all of that stuff. I guess it's um, not so much a foreshadow so much as when it happens again, it's a callback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's cool. Um, and, and the way, one of the things that I really, really like about it, um, about the visuals of it, which is what you kind of alluded to earlier is the way it's shot. It's not shot very conventionally, but it is shot very strategically. I would say. In that it's 
all of the shots are very slow. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of quick cutting in the movie. And a lot of them are wide. And I don't know if you picked up on this, but every shot is almost every shot is slightly pushing in. Yeah. And so what that does is you don't necessarily pick up on it that, okay, we're pushing in, we're pushing, in, we're pushing in until it like speeds up to push in. But it's this slow movement that a, we're moving forward, but B it's like creepy in a way. And I, and I think that, um, what that does is it pushes the suspense of the film a lot more because it, it, one of the one of the things I loved about the film the first time I saw it is the fact that it it felt like it made me feel something like I felt anxious with it because I can't li- literally the camera is not letting me look away yeah. from something that's happening and it's going to take a little bit longer than I like. And I'm uncomfortable and I want to get away from this. <laughs> but it but it doesn't. And, it, and that's a that's an editing choice and a, and a cinematography choice that kind of mm-hmm. go hand in hand there. Yeah. So tell me, so acting, judging the acting of this film is a little bit difficult for us because we're Americans. We do not speak Korean. But can it give me what's your feel on the actors here? I thought they did a good job. Um, you're right. It is it is hard to tell. Um, I don't know how how well they're delivering their lines, um, mm-hmm. or if they're. Uh, I mean, the best we can do is go off of the energy and mm-hmm. the perceived emotion, which I think they did well. Um, yeah, again, it, it's a little tricky because of not understanding, not understanding as we, hearing them, um, to yeah. know if they're like over delivering or under delivering, but I, from, I, it seemed genuine to me. It seemed really good. Yeah. I think a personal standout performance for me is, uh, Mr. Kim. I think yes. that he just, he delivered kind of this great great performance that I felt in a way, you know, like what's interesting is that even though, because I've had this conversation with people where they're like, well, how do you watch an international film? How do you watch a foreign language film? I am by no means, I am by no means an expert. Um, but I, I like watching with subtitles because I feel like I can feel the emotion of the actors that I'm watching a little bit better. And I think in that regard, like being able to, I can feel their emotion and I could feel his emotion probably the best in that he has the most change. I think you could argue that he's the main character for the film. I think there's an argument to be made there. Um, He does not have the most screen time, but his performance uh, kind of drives the film for me. Yeah. I would say, I would say, hmm, I'd actually say Kiwu is the mm-hmm. main character. Um, from the way I've, my schooling has mm-hmm. gone, uh, I learned a difference. I was told there's a difference between the main character and the protagonist. Um, Oh, interesting. The, okay. So the main character is whose point of view the movie is from. Gotcha. 
the protagonist is who goes through the most change. I would say the the dad of the Kim family is I would I would say he is the protagonist because he goes through the biggest change. Yeah, I think that makes sense. E- e- either him or Ki Woo. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, we'll get to that in a second because yeah. that's a little bit more shop talk <laughs> as yeah. far as screenwriting goes. Yeah, I agree. I think Ki Woo is definitely, definitely probably the probably the main character of the film. But I, I feel like um, Ki Taek is the is the protagonist. So let's yeah you mentioned you talked about the difference between protagonist main character um undergoing change uh so i think this gives us a nice little inroad to talk a little bit about uh screenplay writing and structure so and why what i think this film does interestingly we because i want to hear from you about this so there are lots of ways to structure a screenplay lots of people are going to tell you how to do it you should do it in three acts. You should do it in five steps. You should do it in the 15-step uh, 15, 15 beat sheet, 40 cards, all sorts of different things. Whatever. One of the most... One of the things that is kind of the most important that I think every character, every writer is going to agree on is you need your character to move and change in some way, shape, or form. Every scene moves forward the main character or a character and it moves the story forward. And then on a macro level, the character should kind of should be different by the end of the film. There should be something that has changed either about their situation, but ideally something has changed about how they view themselves and how they view the world. But what's interesting about this film is that I didn't feel that. So... The film ends with the exact same shot that opened the film. Um, It starts at their windows and jibs down to see Kiwoo. Yes, Kiwoo sitting um, on the couch. The beginning, he's on his phone and the Wi-Fi is not working. At the end, he's writing a letter to his father. What's interesting about this is that we've put him through this journey. We've put him through... You could... I'm sure you could structure this film like the hero's journey. You could structure it in a three-act structure. You could structure it in uh, a five-step story structure as well. But he's been through that. Beat by beat, he's been through it. And at the end, where most people would say, man, I've learned my lesson, he's saying, no, I haven't. And I found that really fascinating. I think that it has a lot to do with kind of the story's message, the film's message. I would I actually know. say that he did learn his lesson mm-hmm. to an extent because at first the whole motivation or the whole, the whole mode method, I guess, method was these rich people have, our, have money. So we're going to trick them into giving us all money. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end, it's not, I'm going to do all of these criminal acts, all these deceitful things um, to get money. He said, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to get a job, I'm going to become successful, and then I'm going to buy the house. Um, Because the dad is stuck in the bottom of the house where 
the original housekeeper's mm-hmm. husband was. Um, yes, we did leave that out. Uh, Kitayak does kill uh, Park along with, in the end, with a brutal bloodbath and ends up escaping into the basement, into the bunker under the basement. So that's that's an important detail. Yeah. So, but uh, Kiwu, I think... Yeah, I would say Kiwu um, has does have a, a considerable change because he was the first one who was like, hey, I got this job. Let's scam these people. Let's all work for them but not tell them that we're related. Let's get all of their money. Um, and then he was the one who was like, you know what? I'm going to make an honest living and make a lot of an honest living and I'm going to go buy the house. It's not. Yeah. I'm going to become a successful business person. And then I'm going to uh, like go into this family's house and sneak you out. Or I'm going to tunnel underneath with all of the money I've gotten. No, he, he's going to legitimately acquire all of this. Which I think does show a lot of growth in him. Yeah, essentially, I hadn't I hadn't really thought about that. Um, I do find it interesting either way that they chose to end on that same shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it. Yeah, I think it says a lot about the, um, what he's trying to say there. Whether, kind of whatever your interpretation is, yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, and I think it does leave it open to interpretation a little bit because you you end with this kind of story that he tells about what he's everything that he's gonna do. And you're almost led to believe that he's done it. And then it's revealed, no, he's telling his dad that he's going to do it. So I, I found that I found that very interesting as well. So something we haven't talked a lot about is production design. Oh my gosh. But I feel like this is the film to talk about it. This is, yeah, this is the film to talk about it. Um, oh, it was beautiful. <laughs> Everything was just so beautiful. I <laughs> want that house and everything in it, except the creepy guy in the basement. Yeah, that would probably be a no-go Although, for me as well. if I can lock it. I, yeah, why not? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think that what's interesting is, so production design, places are chosen for very, very specific reasons. Uh, where people shoot a film, uh, the whether it be the light, whether it be the shape, whether it be whatever it is, whatever whatever you're trying to do, everything's chosen for a very very specific reason. Uh, you know, we're we're talking about hopefully making a film uh, in the next few months, assuming that we're not still trapped in our house, and uh, we. Uh, we're going to go look at a location and talk about the light and talk about what it looks like um, in the next week or so. So that's, that's something that you have to talk about as film and this film or this location, this house is so carefully chosen. um, And so brilliantly, I think chosen Mm -hmm. Um, just all of the, all of the details in it. um, It's very clean, very modern. uh, And it, it kind of demonstrates and it, it's big and it's empty and it kind of shows the life the parks are trying to live is like, it's shiny, it's flashy, but it's kind of empty. 
And then it's com- immediately contrasted with the small, dingy, dirty basement apartment of the Kims. And, I mean, to even take that a step further, the Parks house is on a hill and the the Kim family, their apartment is in a basement and gets flooded because it's so low. Um, I want to point out that the the Park house was... It was, it was actually a set built mm-hmm. entirely for um, for the movie, which I think mm-hmm. is just phenomenal. Um, just the detail it's of everything. Amazing. It's just... Oh, every Everything is so beautiful about it. It is just so perfect, <laughs> which it's going to be... It's realistically, if something is made for a movie, it's going to be even more perfect than... Mm-hmm. If it were made for real life, because you are not only making it for, like, you can make something beautiful in real life, like a house, and film it. But if you make something for film, then it is going to be perfectly showcased, because it's not just, oh yeah, these walls are straight, these walls are at this angle, going this way, this tall, this short... You're going to design the set with the exact dimensions you need so that if you need so that it looks perfect. And mm-hmm. I think one of my, they nailed it. One of my favorite details about the house is that the windows, there's this wall of windows that they're all kind of look they all kind of look out at various points throughout the film are the aspect ratio of a movie so an aspect ratio is how tall by how wide it is essentially or how wide by how tall sorry i'm not i might as well revoke my film major right there (laughs) um so it's how wide by how tall and what that does it's how we measure like how we look at what's going to be in frame that kind of thing and the the wall of windows is a cinematic aspect ratio and what it's saying with that is saying like they're looking out this window it's they're looking out at this just green yard but it's like their movie this is this is what they're looking at and i so I, just, you, I just think that's interesting do you happen to know what aspect ratio that is this is a trivia question i know the answer i think it's 235 one mm-hmm I, I think, well, I mean, there are di- movies shoot in different aspect ratios, but I think that most, particular. Most modern movies shoot in 239 or 241, which is a truncation of 2.39, 2.40, um, or in this case, 2.35 one, uh, by one. So mm-hmm. it is considerably wider than it is tall. It looks cool. It does. <laughs> as as yeah, I I like cinematography. I'm not as much into aspect ratios, so it looks cool. That's that's what matters to me. Would would you consider doing a movie that is four by three, Zach? I would consider using four by three for as part of a movie. Um, I think. Okay. There's a movie, uh, it might have been Boyhood, um, where 
might not have been Boyhood. It was have you seen Grand Budapest Hotel? I have not. Okay. I thought that's where um, you were going with this, but yeah. Uh, there's there's probably several movies. Um, it might have been Boyhood. It might not have been. Where? I don't think it was Boyhood, actually. I don't know. I've been <laughs> multiple times. Um, anyway, there's a movie that's shot conventionally in either 16 by 9 or cinematic 235 1, 239 1, 241. Um, except for flashbacks, mm-hmm. which take place in like 90s and those are shot in four by three mm-hmm. so i would use four by three in that context but no other so a good for our listeners another good movie that does this is grand budapest hotel which kind of takes place over several different time periods and each of those time periods is in a different uh, aspect ratio okay kind of based on um what uh what would have been used at that time another is uh talk about accessible films um there's a polish film called cold war it is black and white and in four by three as well i will not recommend that one as much not because it's bad but because it's a polish black and white world war two and after uh four by three film uh so it's not one that uh everyone's it's not one that everyone's just gonna want to watch on a night in you know Uh, but wes anderson does like to shift those aspect ratios a lot so talking about we're talking about production design there uh shifting a little bit into another interesting aspect of the house is the visual effects in this movie. Oh, gosh, yeah. You don't see a lot. Oh, you them. do. You absolutely you do. You do, but you don't, you don't know that they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, Which there was is something... the perfect use for vi- visual effects. Oh, exactly. There's something like 400 visual effects shots in this film. There are about 960 shots total in this film. So that's a some quick math for you. It's a little under. It's a little under half. It is forty-two percent, roughly, of this film is some sort of visual effect shot. Uh, whether that be all of the water that flooded the Kim's basement, or the fact that the house, the exterior of the house, does not have a second floor. Which is insane to me, but they did uh, they did a sky replacement and uh, built the second floor in the computer, which is absolutely nuts to me. Absolutely crazy. The things that people do with visual effects is amazing to me. I've been working on some visual effects for a film that Seth and I made, and they are nowhere near the complexity of anything really but um (laughs) i have a massive amount of respect um and admiration for visual effects artists and matte painters of old and (laughs) just it's 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 incredible what people can do with visual effects 
I want to talk about that for a second because we we watch a lot of movies and don't think about the visual effects that are there. But with the you know with our short film that we did, it wasn't one that we said on. We're like, there are going to be this many visual effects shots, so we need to plan for them. We sat down but, and we knew there was going to be one. One, yes. And and not even and that's not a complex shot. Right. It it was a very easy shot to do. But now there's, with what computers can do, you know, what would have been a mistake can be fixed up and cleaned up. And that changes the game. So we went from having this one not very complex visual effect shot to 15? 15 or 20. Visual effect shots that are, that range from being very easy to do to a little bit more complex um, to do. Zach is smiling as he nods in pain. He's been he's been killing it. It looks great. It looks great. It better. Um, <laughs> so so then a film like this with um you know there are these like visual or invisible visual effect shots that are happening all throughout uh, the film that we may not see. But it just adds that extra layer of we're going to tweak it and we're going to make it just a little bit better, just a little bit better so that it, it works. And that's all throughout Parasite. And it the film is that much better for it because in a movie, in a movie like this, everything kind of needs to be perfect in order to drive the point home. All of the suspense has to be clean. Everything has all the shots need to be exactly what they are. And then, you know, in an environment that's incredibly clean. Uh, it means that. Well, that's like uh, David Fincher doesn't mm-hmm. use practical blood. Um, he doesn't use like blood packs or any of that because he wants everything to be perfect. David Fincher seed. is he is the king of invisible visual effects and complete intentionality. Um, I watched a video just going through how he does moving shots, like only that aspect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away at how exactly precise everything is. There are sequences in the film Zodiac that do not like there's no exterior, like they take place in an exterior setting and they're on like a soundstage, mostly surrounded by blue screen. It's insane. So yeah, that that's cool. Uh, I feel like it's about time to wrap that up. But do you have any any part of the film that really really just stood out to you as like that sequence or that shot? Um, the one I mentioned earlier um, is probably my favorite shot of him walking out of the store and over to the table. Like it's, it's such a simple shot, but I love Mm -hmm. how well it worked being so different from what we would normally do. Mm -hmm. But, um, my favorite, I, I, I need to hear what I just died at next to you. Um, you still need to tell me what that was because I can't remember exactly. It might be what I'm about to say. Um, I loved when, the old house housemaid's um, husband was coming back out of the basement at the end 
Um, and I knew, I knew he was going to go and he was going to, the kid who saw him the first time was going to see him and going to freak out. And I was just like, I am ready for this. And that was, that was definitely one of the things okay. that, that you were dying at that I was like, Oh gosh, you okay? Yeah. Bye? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think there were a couple other things. I think when the, basically from when the old housekeeper showed up, up until the Kims were hiding underneath the coffee table, you were laughing. And specifically when the Kims were underneath the coffee table. And that is not a sequence where I would have been laughing at all, like that particular moment. Uh but you were you thought it was hilarious and that was very funny for me um and then like at the end like in the bloodbath I th- i'm pretty sure you were laughing at that point as well and that that was very funny to me that you were laughing and not as i was the first time i saw it in complete shock and horror so uh for me i think my favorite sequence out of the whole film is uh when they're convincing the park family that the housekeeper is sick. Oh yeah. Specifically this, this from the shot where they're in the pizza restaurant and he puts the uh, hot sauce packet onto the pizza up to the point that they put the hot sauce, hot sauce packet onto a tissue to make it look like she has coughed up blood. I think that whole sequence is so tight because it's foreshadowing without foreshadowing. Like it's setting you up, but it's not telling you what's going to happen. Right. Uh, I just, I thought that was, Oh my gosh. I thought it just, I just thought it was brilliant. So, so I'm going to ask you a very hard question. Now, Zach. Okay. What did you not like about this movie? There were some things in it that made me very uncomfortable. Um, but, I wouldn't say those are like those are either irrelevant or justified. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I didn't really like and didn't again, this is something that I think wouldn't wouldn't um, I wouldn't get caught up on if I was from the culture, um, but I it. To me, I was very confused when Kitayek, uh, when he killed Mr. Park. That, Mm -hmm. to me, felt very... Not out of character, but it seemed like a very poor choice on Kitayek's. Yeah. Like that, it seems like that would, I don't, I, that doesn't seem like it would be, that's not a smart thing to do. (laughs) And I don't like it there. It did nothing for him. Um, Yeah. Like he didn't seem satisfied after killing him. He didn't even seem to need, it didn't seem like he would have gained anything. It, It seemed unmerited. Um, yeah from what i could tell it seemed unmerited from what i could tell of kitayek's character Um, yeah he didn't seem like somebody who would do that and it didn't seem like the circumstances would lead him to do that either 
Yeah, I I get that. Uh, yeah, definitely. I I mean, for me, this time around, I was able. The first time around, I took it almost like a ride. Like I was like, like it took me for a ride in that like I I didn't know it was coming, and it's like a roller coaster that was constantly going down. Did you and see it by yourself the first time? I did not. I watched it with a couple of friends, um, which I highly recommend watching this movie with friends or in a theater with people that you don't know. Uh, there were watch it a couple. Watch it with your parents. Watch it with your grandparents. Maybe not that. <laughs> uh, there were a couple people in the in the theater. Uh, with us, and there was a few expletives shouted at key moments in the film, and honestly, oh, it enhanced my, it enhanced my viewing of the film. So take that as you will. Uh, I mean, there's not a lot I didn't like about this film, even on the second go around. I just, I think it is so tightly wound. It is so well acted. It is so well written. Yeah, I have no complaints about this film. I, It's not perfect. I wouldn't say it's perfect. Um, mainly because I, I, I know there's something in there that I know Bong Joon-ho is watching it back and kicking himself saying, I wish. I wish that was that was true. Uh, but I, I didn't see it. If there is. Uh, so I just, I, I thought it was, it was great. So, Zach, would you watch it again? I would watch it again, yeah. Yeah. I, I would as well. Uh, out of out of five stars, what do you give it? I give it a five. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I do as well. I do as well. Um, I highly recommend it. Like, I cannot recommend this movie enough to, uh, especially if you love film, especially if you want to see kind of, I mean, it's a historic film in more ways than one. Uh, so I highly, highly recommend it. All right. Well, that brings us about to the close of the show. So one thing we forgot to do this last week, totally forgot to do last week, but I think it's important now that we're all kind of quarantined uh, and looking for things to do. Uh, what's one thing that you would suggest to anyone who's listening? My suggestion, ooh, I actually watched some stuff recently. <laughs> um, I would suggest a dramatic change from Parasite, um, but a similar feel to Lady Bird from a couple weeks ago. I would recommend Looking for Alaska. It's a Hulu original series based oh, cool. off of the book by John Green. It is fantastic. I'm four or five episodes in, and I love it. It's cool. funny. It's awkward, it's compelling, it's happy, it's sad, it's great. It's teens at a sleepaway school. Have you, um, uh, have you read the book? I have not read the book. Cool. I was going to ask if you wanted to recommend the book as well, but if you have not. I would, I mean, yeah, I, I can't say <laughs> do or cool. don't. I haven't read it. Let's see what do I want to recommend? I watched the Peanuts movie yesterday. Again, a dramatic twist from Parasite. 
uh i think it's great it's it's a fun animated film i love charlie brown as a character and i think the film captured it well uh i'd also i've been watching a lot of the west wing lately uh so i i love the west wing and you if you listen to the last uh two episodes then you know that we we like aaron sorkin here um too bad we've both seen the same aaron sorkin movies so we can't do that (laughs) We can't do an Aaron Sorkin yeah. right now. Yeah. Unless, have you seen Have you seen The Social Network? I have seen The Social Network. I have. Okay. I've probably yeah. seen more Sorkin movies, but that, uh, yeah, probably. But uh, yeah, I've been watching been watching The West Wing. Uh, I think that the two cathedrals. I watched that today, and it is quite possibly one of the finest hours of television that exists. So, highly recommend that as well. All right, so thanks for hanging out with us. Zach, tell us what we're watching next week. We will be watching Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and I am really excited because of what that movie is to the craft of filmmaking. Um, I'm excited to get into that um, as I'll be introducing it and giving background to it next week. Awesome. That sounds great. I'm excited to hear it. Hey, uh, just a reminder that it really helps us out if you subscribe to the podcast, if you uh, share with your friends as well. We are now available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and Overcast and several other podcast services, probably whichever one you like best. We're on there. Uh, So follow us, leave a review, uh, share with your friends. Uh, It means a lot. Zach, I look forward to next week. Yeah, it'll be good.